Pi. Pi was one of a couple of things that had me trekking the two miles in the unforgiving winter of 2019 on a Wednesday night to interview my childhood friend Paul Todd for episode 91 of the Independent Minded Podcast. But Paul ain't no baker. However, his band Social Station was cooking up a live show at a club in downtown Washington, D.C. called Pie Shop. It's a cool little bar and stage upstairs roommate of the District of Columbia's dangerously delicious pies. Now, pie, no matter how delicious or dangerous, pie alone ain't enough to get me out on a low 20-degree school night away from my dog and my piano and my fireplace and Rick and Morty on my DVR. But pie post-punk Paul podcast? I couldn't ignore the alliteration. And let's not forget the past. Paul Todd and I went to high school together. We started a band. If my somewhat hazy memory is correct, I broke up with that band. And then, for a time, I broke up with Paul. There was no ill will. Back then, it seemed like a potential pitfall of pursuing something passionate with someone who's also 18. You both think you know everything, and as it turns out, you both don't know shit. Paul Todd came to D.C. long before I did. He spent more than half his life in the district after growing up in the urban jungles of Brooklyn. He and I finally reconnected a few years ago for the first time in a long time. We worked on a song for my solo album together in his basement at his house in Virginia. I could see that Paul still had that passion and that determination that I remember from high school. Later, we ate lunch at Paul Todd's dining room table while his 13-year-old son sat at the piano and played. It seemed obvious at that moment that young Jacob would almost certainly surpass Paul and I's musical talent. When I was 13, I was quitting the piano. Paul's son was owning it. And so on this night at the pie shop, Jacob is playing with Paul in Social Station. That's the band, Paul and Jacob, father and son, jamming out to dark synth-poppy pre-programmed drums while a decent-sized crowd of like-minded individuals half-dances and nods approvingly. I stand close to the front of the small stage, dreaming of pie and maybe a little quiche. At one point in the set, Jacob loses the strap to his bass guitar. He forges on undaunted, dropping to a knee as the song continues. But you can see it's a struggle. Paul Todd picks up on it immediately. He slowly moves towards his son, still singing in the Bauhaus meets Interpol meets Nick Cave low warble. I never heard from him back in our high school days and he refastens his son's bass guitar strap as the song and the smoke machine continue pumping. Like it or not, that's what being in a band together takes. Chemistry. It was a little moment, one that usually exists during every one of these episodes. A moment that reminds me that I've got to keep pursuing my own passions. The little moments have become the biggest reason the podcast still exists. I get to see my people do their thing and tell me the reasons why they do it. People not too different from me. The unwavering outsiders, the determined freaks. And so, as I watch the guitarist in my high school heavy metal band have that little moment with his son, I cried right into my banana cream pie. After the show, I took two more pieces of pie home to eat over the weekend. <laughs> this is turning into a pie cast. But I digress. Paul and I talk about our high school days feeding his passion and how he recruited his son to play in Social Station. Let's kick it off with the band's latest single. It's called Try, then into the time machine with Paul Todd of Social Station, right here on Independent Minded. Helping them out just by making 
Oh 
This is a very special episode of Independent Minded. I'm about to talk to somebody who was in, uh, wasn't my first band, so to speak, but it was the first band of any uh, notoriety that I feel like I was in. He's now playing in a band with his son, and I'm here at the pie shop here in downtown Washington, D.C., talking to Paul Todd of Social Station. How are you, my friend? I'm doing good. Are you? Yeah, I'm doing all right. This could very well turn into a therapy session. I do want to talk about what's going on with Social Station, but I also thought this would be a great opportunity to talk about the history of Paul and Ronald. We met in high school. Do you recall how we met? I'm not sure if I do. <laughs> well, I was in the same class as your sister, Paula. That's right. But the music, how do we connect musically? Was it through our shared love of the same bands? Did fate bring us together? I can't remember myself, and I thought you well, could. I don't feel bad now. You could unsolve I, this mystery. I don't remember either. Well, I do remember a lot of things about the early days together in a band called Shadow Wash. We went to a lot of uh, shows together. My first shows I ever went to, I, I believe you were with me at those shows. Iron Maiden and Anthrax? Yep. Verderame? Absolutely. Yeah, the brothers. No, you're supposed to say Verderame. Verderame. Okay, thank you. <laughs> Sorry. Um, <laughs> I'm not playing along very well. <laughs> you would come over my house very often, and I would go over your house very often to rehearse in this band. You turned me on to some bands that I'm still into. Apparently, you have no memory of any of this, so I'm here to remind <laughs> you. <laughs> Amongst those bands, Soundgarden, which we covered at the high school battle of bands that we won. Absolutely. Suicidal Tendencies. Still one of my favorites. I also vividly remember hearing Smells Like Teen Spirit for the first time, and you were the person I called. And I remember both of us, like, remember back in the day we used to, like, call people on the phone, talking about it, and both really being, like, stoked about it. We did win our high school Battle of the Bands. Do you remember the songs we played? Uh, for the most part. I mean, straight ahead, all grunge. I mean, this was, what, 1992? That's right. I played drums. You played guitar. Yeah. So this was Nirvana, Soundgarden, Alice in Chains. Your dad was at that show, and he taped that show. Is that right? Yeah, somewhere. I could, I could dig that one. He's coming tonight, too. <laughs> so some things never change. Your dad's going to be here tonight. Yeah. My mother retired. She's a high school teacher at Fort Hamilton High School. Right on. And then my father joined another a medical practice down here. Now, however many years later, is probably a quarter of a century. We're both down in the DMV. You've been here for a while. When did you move down here? 1997. And why did you move down here? For a job. So as an engineer. So lots of jobs for mechanical engineers down here because of the Department of Defense and things like that. Can't say I lasted very long. I supported the Navy and did things like that. Yeah, I heard about that. But that's my first job out of school. Kind of brought me down here, put down roots and never left. So you don't work in engineering for the Navy anymore. What do you do now? So now I'm actually a college professor. So you're a college professor in the post-punk synth-pop yeah. band. Yeah, and, and it took me a long time to get to the point of being a college professor, but it's a big decision. Going full-time to be a college professor actually was so that I could be in a band. So going off kind of that management track, becoming a professor gives me the summers off and a lot of flexibility that I just didn't have. Being a college professor at this time was conscious effort to focus on music. So you're teaching college kids so you can be in a band. Pretty much. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, I remember when I came down to visit you, I guess I think it was like 2015, and being really impressed with your dedication to the fact that, you know, you're a grown man with a job, just like myself. You're married, you have children, you have adult responsibilities. And yet I remember sitting at a restaurant eating lunch with you and, and you were kind of telling me about how important it was for you to take the time to go out and see shows, to be part of the scene, because without that, you didn't feel like you would succeed. 
absolutely. And now here you yeah. are, and, and your social station is pretty immersed in that scene. You're playing with bands tonight that you played with before that have remixed your new single. So there is a community here that you've kind of joined. Absolutely. Where did everyone go? Where did everyone go? Where did everyone go? Remember when we used to play shows and like people would go to clubs? Where did everybody go? I have this discussion all the time, especially with... Well, have it with me. I'm saying with Jacob, because he's of the age we were. <laughs> Jacob is just about to turn 17. 17. All right, so he's, he knows so, nothing about life. So, so, so how do I get his friends to come out to shows, right? Because that's the age we were always out, and it's just not part of their mindset. Correct. To be in a live venue sing live music. It's just, that's just not. It doesn't involve a digital screen. It's just not the mindset. Yeah. Well, how does that make you feel as somebody who's still like, we're not trying to quote unquote make it anymore. Like, what does that even mean? Like, what's in it for you? You're here at a pie place playing with your son on a school night. It's like 17 degrees out. And I'm in the same boat. Like, I'm doing this podcast. It's a labor of love. I'm still trying to make music. I released a solo album in 2017. I have my reasons. What are your reasons? It's all about finding your passion. Once you've found your passion, then you essentially need to kind of feed it to be satisfied. So I'm pretty much always doing two to three things at once. <laughs> like that's my mentality is always, okay, I got family, I got work. So once I finished all my studies, I was like, well, I've waited long enough. It's now or never to come back to my passion, which is music and always has been since being a teenager. And I treat it like a job, not in a bad way. But I put the dedication into it as if I'm getting another degree or if it's a full-time job and you have to do it that way. It's a lot of work. Yeah, no kidding. And it's rewarding when you get recognized. We're going to be playing a festival in Portland, Oregon in April. Take me with you. Sure. <laughs> you can come with me. I'm going to be driving there. So You're driving from Virginia to Portland. And back. The band has evolved into yourself and your son. The circumstance where Jacob jumped in to play in Social Station really was related to a bandmate being terminally ill. Wow, okay. This is what I expected. I didn't expect this <laughs> so, response, but go ahead. Let's so, head down uh, this road together. So I started the project as a solo project with the expectation that I would use that as kind of my demo tape so that people understand my direction musically to pull together a group. And the person that I played with for a couple of years, Spencer Kidd, we just had very common musical tastes and sensibilities put together lots of songs, like the song Awfully Pretty. Those are songs we wrote together, but he has leukemia. He's gone through chemotherapy three times, two bone marrow transplants. Wow. So it's by the third one where I kind of said, I don't want to stop. And Jacob clearly was able to, in that case, for that part, he was actually doing synthesizers and keyboards. We automated the keyboards, automated the drums, and then what Spencer was playing with bass, and Jacob loves playing bass. So it was like, it was just a great fit. We're just having fun because it's instruments we love to play. So what's the dynamic between father and son in this band? Like, throw me through a songwriting session or, or a rehearsal. Well, I mean, since we're at the same house, it's pretty easy to say, hey, you want to go practice? Just go in the basement. I'm in my room. He's like, oh, you want to go practice? And we go in. And we're just recording, playing around. In terms of like, oh, it's my dad and we're in the same band. We're playing. It, nothing really changes. It's still my dad. Have you seen any videos of your dad with long hair and a denim jacket with? I haven't seen any videos. I've seen pictures. I've seen pictures. What do you think about all that? It's pretty cool. And piano was your first instrument? Yeah, piano was my first instrument. And I got to tell you, ladies and gentlemen, like I came over Paul's house and we were sitting at the table and Jacob was just practicing and I felt completely emasculated uh, <laughs> by his abilities. So, uh, so yeah, I don't know why I'm telling everybody that, but uh, sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I definitely started in piano at a young age. And are you still playing? I do, yeah. Play piano. Um, I started trumpet 
around the fifth, sixth grade. That's my primary instrument, actually. Yeah. It was obvious to me that Jacob, at a very young age, when it took me essentially my senior year of high school to learn how to play Canon D intermediate version, you know, and it took like a year just to get piano and understanding of piano, and he learned it in a few weeks. I was like, oh boy. <laughs> He's got a natural ability that certainly is setting a path for him that he could pretty much play any instrument. So what's the predominant feeling there? Is it pride or jealousy? Oh, it's absolute <laughs> pride. Yeah. And the hope for a music scholarship for college. <laughs> we'll see how that goes. Yeah. What, what are the plans there? Well, uh, we'll just have to see how it goes. We're looking at different schools. I mean, if it's in Virginia, it doesn't really change spring breaks and summertime. So yeah. I would just do summer tours and things like that. If Jacob wasn't your son and he was trying to make it in 2019, mm -hmm. what sort of advice would you give him? Just purely based on Jacob's talent, I think the sky's the limit because he can actually sight read and stand in on trumpet or bass. So if music's your passion, there is money to be made. It's a question of what's the most important thing that drives you? Is it your creativity and getting your own original work? That's gonna be a tough life. But if it's playing anybody's music, you can get paid very well. You put in the work, maintain good relationships with folks, and the work will just keep coming. It reinforces your musicianship, your performance, and then it feeds that creativity. And how often do you play out when school is in session? At this point in the DC area, I don't actually go out and solicit shows and try to play shows. For me, it's turning down shows and trying to be a little bit more uh, selective. But then the majority of my time is actually trying to book tours outside the DC area. We're playing in Portland and I'm trying to book a show every day, essentially for two weeks, back to DC. Playing shows in DC, it lands up being maybe one to two a month. But usually I try to help out bands that are coming from other cities so that they have a crowd at a show in DC. Right, it's the classic kind of- Trading shows. Exchange. Right, program. so when Silent Age came from Chicago, I did my best to set up a show for them. And then we went to Chicago and they helped us out with a show in Chicago and we had a great show in Chicago. Same thing's gonna happen in New Orleans with this band Trashlight. That to me is kind of my motivation for setting up and playing shows at this point. Not kind of playing shows just for the fun of playing shows. It's the old, you wash my guitar, I'll wash yours. <laughs> Yeah, I guess. <laughs> you just released a single called Try. We mm -hmm. heard that earlier in the podcast. Do you believe in albums anymore? So we have a full album written. We're hoping to release another single just before the tour kicks off. And this summer, potentially finish recording this album and get it out there. The big question now is distribution and whether or not, you know, being independent, whether or not it makes sense to kind of help move us up visibility-wise, not necessarily money-wise, but just having other bands that we can connect with on a label in Europe as well as in the US. Because that's the challenge, is kind of breaking into the European market, but being on a label there could help us distribute directly and help us set up shows and tours in Europe. So that's to me is the next challenge, for, say for next year, the next year's goal. You turned me on to all those bands I mentioned when we were younger, who should I listen to now? So the bands that I'm hooked on right now, very much in the vein or genre that I play in now is Drab Majesty. Soft Moon. Oh, I know the Soft Moon. And they just played here last Saturday. Oh, I missed the Soft Moon. <laughs> Health is another band that I like a lot. Who should I talk to next? I'm down here in D.C. I've been to most of the clubs. This is my first time at the Pie Place. Area bands, anybody in the scene, you know, pay it forward. Who, who should I give my card to and say, what's your whole spiel? There's different scenes in D.C., but as far as the ones that I'm somewhat connected to, the person that first came to mind, his name is Ben Shore. He's the operator of Blight Records. So what he does is create really a community of artists on his label in this area. 
So by talking to him, you're talking to, say, 10 to 15 other artists. Essentially, you get insight into how he curates his record label. He's originally from Philadelphia. He plays in this band, Brer, but now he's playing in this band, Luna Honey, and we've played shows with him. He has his own studio and house that he actually opens to touring bands to play in. Cool. He's someone that is so dedicated to music and really is helping paid forward in so many ways. And someone that I really uh, appreciate all the work he puts into the music scene and all the artists, because he also does the recording, he does mixing, he does mastering. And Brer is actually one of the remixes of our Try single. So that's definitely someone I would recommend. Do you still wear leather pants? Uh, no, although I, I do. I don't mean it like, you know, on the streets. I mean, like at shows. Uh, I mean, if you wear them on the street, that's okay too. I mean, it's none of my business. Honestly, I have a couple of different, they're not leather pants, but they're, I would say faux leather pants. Yeah. Um, yes, I certainly have no problem wearing them. I don't know if I've worn them recently, but they're certainly still in my drawer. Not opposed to wearing them. I'm not asking you to wear them for my sake. I'm <laughs> we, just we, got an, we got an interesting getup for tonight. Stylish sweatshirts. You put it that way. Very odd handmade sweatshirts from Italy. Really? We went this to Italy. have to look forward to after this interview is <laughs> we, we went to Italy for, uh, for Christmas break. Just to buy the sweatshirts? Actually, all our clothes are usually from trips. So it was this little boutique across from our Airbnb. We went in and there's two guys and they just make their clothes themselves. Really interesting, strange clothing. And we said, oh, you know, what? we're going to buy some clothing for our show. One thing I never asked you because we did lose touch over all that time. Like when I met you for the first time, metal was God. We bonded over all different types of bands from that genre. What happened inside your brain and your heart or whatever you want to call it that kind of made the switch for this style and this genre of music? I think that's actually a pretty simple one because I still love metal. Not that I listen to it every day, but Jake and I listen to Suicidal when we're driving <laughs> from city to city. Good to hear. Right? So Good on you. Taking a step back, an album like Pretty Hate Machine and then Broken just blew my mind. Same right? here. Right, so Pretty Hate Machine, we were like 89, but Disintegration, I mean, you think about the albums that came out 88, 89, it was Injustice for All. Keep naming my favorite albums, keep going. Violator, right? Keep going. So yeah. I was listening to The Cure, I was listening to Depeche Mode, I was also listening to Metal. At some point, there's a realization, if I want to be a singer, then you kind of have to play to your strengths. And I am not a metal singer. <laughs> my voice is just not, that's just not my voice, right. right? There's just so much you can do. So vocally, I had to have the music kind of come back to where I vocally can sound my best ultimately and feel the most comfortable and be in my own shoes. My voice is my voice and all the music had to kind of get built around that. Sure. And then once I found post-punk music, I went, oh, that's me. That's how I think. That's my songs. I don't have to try to play in this style. Anytime I write stuff, it comes out this way. Right it's on. a natural way. So it just it happened organically. All I need to do is turn the distortion pedal off and I go, oh, now I sound like the cure. Wait a minute. <laughs> Why did I do that earlier? <laughs> We're looking at three pies on a dresser and I'm about to see Social Station perform. Paul, Jacob, good luck tonight. I don't know. What, what do people do at these shows? Do I, uh, I'm not wearing my leather pants, but is there any like sort of. Uh... Yeah, DC is a pretty tame crowd, to be honest. All right, then I'm, I'm right in my element. Yeah, the craziest shows in DC are. Kind of still sleepy by standards of other cities, like kind of how we grew up. All right, well, I will stand silently and watch intently and applaud in between songs. How's that? Thanks, Ron. You're welcome. <laughs>
Pretty by Social Station. Earlier in the podcast, we heard Try, Get the Goods, Find Out Stuff, socialstation.com, on the socials, at Social Station DC, social, 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 social. I want to thank Paul and Jacob for the time and the fine folks at Pie Shop for nurturing my love handles. And thank you, my friends, for listening to the podcast on iTunes and Apple Podcasts or wherever the hell else you're listening to podcasts. Get archived episodes at SoundCloud. Find out all the rest. Baldfreak.com. Baldfreak.com. Next time on Independent Minded, catching up with electronic artist and producer Brother Tiger at Songbird Music House and Record Cafe. He ain't my brother. He ain't a tiger. He's Brother Tiger. 
And he's from Brooklyn. Hey, I'm from Brooklyn. Verderame!